And I see this uh, going on and there's a huge promotion with this Omicron variant that now we need to all get vaccinated more and more with more booster shots. We need to get in a third booster shot to really be good with Omicron. We need to get a fourth booster shot to really be effective. We have the Pfizer CEO saying things like that. You're listening to the Integrative Medical Podcast with Dr. Jake, a licensed naturopathic doctor who will show you how to tap into your body's natural ability to heal your health issue and improve your symptoms quickly without harmful drugs or devastating surgeries. So pour some tea, get comfortable where you are and enjoy this healing episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am Teresa. I'm a mom. I'm a health nut and a wife to a cancer fighter. And I'm here today with Dr. Jake from Integrative Medica to talk about Omicron. Should we be afraid of it? Will we get it? All of the things that we need to know to prepare and to navigate all that's been going on lately um, with the emergence of this variant. Dr. Jake, yeah, so it's going to be a, a good podcast today, I hope, because I'm seeing a lot of my patients coming to my office asking questions about the Omicron variant, and it is, is something that we really need to be worried about. Do we really need to start locking down, etc.? What can I do to treat it? So I just wanted to do, talk about that in this podcast so we get a, a YouTube video, so we get a good understanding of how really we should approach this and get a and really understand what it is. What I really am excited about most is that you are just, uh, you're so skilled in your, in your knowledge of the immune system and how to, to be able to, to really help our bodies be able to fight things like this. So I'm really eager to hear um, some suggestions that you can give us should we, should we catch this variant as well. But, but first, before we jump into all of this, I do want to remind our audience that this is just a podcast, right, Dr. Jake? Yeah, so this is just a podcast. I might talk about certain things that we can do for Omicron, but uh, you're an individual and what I'm going to be talking about might not be best for you. So you really need to go to an educated physician that knows what they're doing with treating Omicron or other viruses to really get an effective treatment and potentially not cause harm to you. Wonderful. All right, let's get into it. I'm going to ask the, the biggest question right now that I think a lot of us are wondering, should we be afraid? So what we understand about the Omicron variant is it's a mutation that's been going on through this whole process of having COVID. We've had the alpha, beta, we had the delta, and now we're having the Omicron. So as many of us might know, it came from South Africa. At least that's when we first got the testing of it. It could have been somewhere else, but that's what our understanding is. And it has been spreading a lot since then. When we first started hearing about Omicron, we were scared that it might enter the United States. And what we're finding out is it very likely was already in the United States when we were talking about when it was in South Africa. So when we look at the virus and we look at the genetics of it and we see and take a deep look at the virus, we're seeing that it has characteristics that are very similar to the common cold. Now, the previous alpha variant did have some characteristics to the common cold. It was the coronavirus but it had a lot of characteristics much different, but we're seeing more and more coming with this Omicron variant that it has characteristics like the common cold. And we're seeing the symptomology of uh, Omicron looking like a common cold. Many people are getting the runny nose. They're getting a headache. They might lose some smell, but we get that from the common cold. They get aches and chills and they feel really fatigued. 
What we are seeing is maybe people are feeling a little bit more fatigued than they usually do from the common cold. And this isn't something that we absolutely need to be fearful about. Now, this is a virus that is going to be much more contagious than the other variants. Just like the alpha and beta variants weren't very contagious, they were causing a lot of harm to people that did get it, but it wasn't very contagious. Now, there were a lot of people that weren't having harm from these alpha and beta variants, obviously. But then it went to the Delta variant and started becoming more contagious at that point. And the Delta variant wasn't as severe as the alpha and beta variants. And now we're getting to the Omicron variant and we're seeing that it's extremely contagious and we're having case counts that are really blowing up and is spreading like wildfire if you listen to the media. And yeah, we are having a lot of cases, but that shouldn't freak us out if we just have cases. We really need to look at what are we seeing actually on the hospital end? Are we seeing that there's an explosion of hospitalizations that are just related to Omicron? And we're not really seeing that. When we look at the data we're not seeing that Omicron is causing a lot of hospitalizations and death. Delta was causing a lot more than Omicron. So this is actually good news for us because majority of the population is going to get this variant. I don't care who you are. We are going to get Omicron variant. You're either going to get a little bit of a booster if you've already had been exposed to the alpha, beta or delta variants, or you're going to get it for, for the first time and actually get the disease and get sick from it. So something I would like to also talk about is we have probably about 200,000 people in the United States that have likely been exposed to some form of COVID, depending on the variant Alpha, Beta, Delta, et cetera. And that is good news too, is what we're seeing in the data. And I know we're talking a lot about breakthrough cases. Let's say people have already had the disease and now they're getting Omicron. Now, right. the concern with this is we were doing testing on all these people early on. And really what we're doing now is we're doing PCR testing or antigen testing. And we're only doing that test specifically. And especially that when we were doing the PCR test, which were on 40 cycle thresholds or more, which I won't go in great detail on the PCR test. Maybe our audience knows a lot about the PCR test. It's just not a fantastic point? test. What, yeah. what is the PCR, just for those of us who are unfamiliar with the term? You don't need to go into like in-depth these so PCR is a type of Yeah, so the PCR is a type of test. We have several different tests that we do in the lab to diagnose disease. And PCR, okay. polymerase chain reaction is what PCR t- is. So it's what they're for. using to see if we're positive for COVID or not. It's exactly, it's a test that we use and it's one of our main tests that we use. Right now we're using a lot of the PCR and antigen testing. PCR in the beginning of the pandemic was the main test. Now it's probably a little bit more antigen testing nowadays in 2022 than PCR testing. But let's say you got diagnosed with COVID and it was through a PCR test. And then you get diagnosed later with COVID again. You got Delta and then you got diagnosed later again with this Omicron variant. And we're saying, okay, you're not actually getting lifetime immunity from this uh COVID because you're all these variants you're still exposing to. See, the question, the concern is, and what we don't have in the data at all, is that we actually have a true confirmed case of someone actually getting the virus and actually getting a new variant. We don't have any data on that. But we do have people getting tested with the PCR test that said it was positive, and then they're getting tested with the PCR test again and saying it's positive. But there is a problem with the testing that we have is we have way too much of a cycle threshold 
which I'll just go through it real quick, is when you have a really high, let's say 40 or higher, you're going to be picking up all these little DNA fragments that aren't necessarily COVID, and they might be another coronavirus or another adenovirus, coronavirus, or flu virus. And you might test positive and have a false positive test and say you had COVID. But then maybe you actually get exposed to the real virus, and then you have a positive result again. Or maybe you just get exposed to another cold virus or flu virus identified as COVID again. So you can get lifetime immunity at least for 15 months from after getting COVID if you have actually gotten the real virus. But we have all kind of confounding variables because we have not been using highly effective tests. But that's going on a tangent here. But you should be pretty safe if you actually have high amounts of antibodies and you've been tested with high amounts of antibodies. It's very unlikely you are going to get this Omicron variant if you've had it from the Delta, Alpha, Beta variants. Is there a way when somebody goes and gets tested to find out from the lab what their numbers really were? Like, is it really, really, really high or was it more in the, uh, yeah, you tested positive, but, you know, it was on the lower end of. of Yeah. So with our testing, we're not. So the PCR test is just uh, you're positive or negative. That's what the test tells us. Antigen, positive or negative. Uh, Antibody testing, that will tell us how many antibodies we actually have in our body. But that's not a test that we're, most people are doing to diagnose COVID. You're not diagnosing COVID with antibodies. That's not the, what you're doing when you go to your doctor's office and get tested. You're getting a PCR antigen test, which is just saying positive or negative. And there is, are all kinds of false positive and negatives that we are getting from these tests. So I just wanted to put that out there too, is if you actually have high antibody levels, you are very likely going to be very safe from this Omicron variant. And as anecdotal evidence, I'm getting exposed to Omicron all the time. And I got Delta back in October and my antibodies are really fantastic. They're 250 or higher. I haven't even had any type of sickness at all. I mean, I probably get it and I'm boosting my immunity, but I'm not having any symptomology to it. If you've actually tested antibodies, you have high antibodies, you can feel pretty good that you probably aren't going to get this Omicron variant and you've already dealt with it. So So the natural immunity is pretty strong. What I'm hearing then is if um, someone's listening now and they're concerned and they, they, they've had it uh, COVID in the past, at least they tested positive for it and they want to know like for sure, like, did I truly have it? You can go in and get an antibody test and you can find out because, uh, and this is how I know a little bit more about antibodies is when you first encounter a virus for the very first time, you have what's called Ig. A antibodies that show, hey, this is very fresh, very new. And then once your body has dealt with it and knows how to fight it, it'll turn to IgG. And that's what we can measure. And based on how much you have, we can determine like, did you, have you really dealt with this virus before? And if you, and if you have, you can feel pretty, you can feel pretty confident that if you even catch Omicron, then you're not going to get very sick from it because you've got that immunity from one of the past variants. Am I on the right track here? You are. So what? The, another concern I have too is the antibody testing is not perfect either. Okay. The problem is, is about 15% of people that have been exposed to COVID aren't producing antibodies actually showing up on the test. So really, I, my favorite test out of all of them is actually getting a T-cell test, which is actually checking the T-cell immunity and we knew this from a very early stage. I've been talking. To, I was talking to my patients about this from a very early time. 
that really antibody test is pretty good. We're getting good information, but there is this group that just because you test didn't have high antibodies didn't necessarily mean you didn't have the disease because that testing wasn't perfect. But then I was saying T cell immunity is what we're seeing more that we're getting a more robust T cell response than antibody response to COVID. So the T cell is going to be even more accurate. We didn't have any testing like that. We do have testing now. It's still a little bit difficult to get, but it is something that we can still do now. So just because you got antibodies and it's got antibody testing, you were negative, doesn't absolutely tell us that you didn't have a, a COVID infection. So it can be a little complicated there. But yeah. vast majority of my patients, I mean, it's 15%. Vast majority of my patients that have actually had COVID, they actually presented with the perfect symptoms of COVID. They had a PCR test and we did an antibody test. It came back uh, positive there. So, but what I am saying is if you do to the test and you do have elevated antibodies, you are going to be naturally immune to this Omicron variant and very likely not going to get it. Or if you do get it, you're not going to present symptoms and you're likely not going to get it and spread it to other people. I also want to bring up a topic here too. Uh, and I see this uh, going on and there's a huge promotion with this Omicron variant that now we need to all get vaccinated more and more with more booster shots. We need to get in a third booster shot to really be good with Omicron. We need to get a fourth booster shot to really be effective. We have the Pfizer CEO saying things like that. We have the Pfizer CEO actually admitting that uh, if you've had two shots of our uh, uh, vaccine, that you are likely not going to be safe from the Omicron at all. We're seeing that there's mild reduction if we do do the third. Um, but what we are seeing is if you've been vaccinated, you are very likely still going to be getting the Omicron variant. If you haven't been vaccinated, you haven't been exposed to the disease, you're likely going to get Omicron variant also. I see reports that probably in about three or four months, the entire population based on the infectivity of this virus, everyone's going to be exposed to it. So in my mind, it's actually a hooray moment. It is a moment that actually we are going to get strong natural immunity and we're going to be able to move on and we're not going to be getting as sick from uh, this uh, COVID disease anymore because of Omicron variant, because it's a mild disease and it isn't causing severe symptoms. And we are still having some people go in the hospital, but it's not uh, really severe. And actually, we're going to get great immunity to it. And one of the research studies I saw, too, is why are we talking about vaccination and Omicron when there is research of showing, okay, let's say you got the alpha variant and you got a natural immunity and then you got vaccinated. Who is going? And then there's the group that didn't get vaccinated, but I got ex exposed to the disease. So they had natural immunity. Both had natural immunity. One got vaccinated, one didn't. We're seeing that the group that got vaccinated that had natural immunity, they are 13 times more likely to catch Omicron than not being vaccinated. So why are we talking about that we absolutely have to get vaccinated? We are not going to get vaccinated out of Omicron. Uh, except if this vaccine was 100% effective and there was no waning of this vaccine, which we see that there's waning at least after three or six months after this vaccine. And that's why you see a lot of our authorities, in the, at least in the government, telling us that we need to be vaccinated every about six months because they're seeing that there's a great deal of waning immunity. And that means that this vaccine is not effective. So we should not be t going and going crazy and vaccinating with this Omicron variant because it's very unlikely going to do anything at all to help uh, decrease the spread of the Omicron variant. And let's say you're doing it to 
save someone, someone elderly, or you have an immune compromised child, or you have an immune compromised parent, or whatever, a friend, and you're getting vaccinated for them, we're not seeing that if you get vaccinated, you are not spreading that disease to other people. The viral counts in the unvaccinated and the vaccinated are just as high, if not even higher in the vaccinated group. So, but the vaccinated group doesn't have as much symptoms, so they're not noticing as much, and then they go out and interact with people, and they're spreading it. So, we're not vaccinating out of this, and we need to not just think about vaccine is the best solution. We need to really be thinking about what are we needing to do to boost our immune system and our health. We are seeing that with COVID or even Omicron, with the early variants and Omicron, we're seeing that the people that are getting really sick from this disease are people that are unhealthy. We're talking about not just the old, we're also talking about young, and the young are usually the obese. So the higher fat you have on your body, the more likely you're going to do bad with COVID. And one reason for that is COVID can increase a, a interleukin called interleukin-6. Interleukin-6 hangs out in a lot of our fatty tissue. So when you get exposed to COVID and you have all this fatty tissue, you're going to blow up with the, uh, interleukin-6, which is then going to stimulate that cytokine storm more. And that's is what causes severe respiratory symptoms. <laughs> So what I'm hearing from you is, I mean, really in a nutshell, is whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, Omicron's coming. And instead of approaching it with more vaccines and so forth to prepare ourselves for it, that we need to instead be working on boosting our immune system and our health so that when we do come in contact with this variant, which we inevitably will, that we'll be able to handle it well and be able to get through it. And it'll become, from what I'm hearing, what finally probably finally brings herd immunity to, to everyone to officially and hopefully squash this so that it's not an issue any longer for, for people. Definitely. This should be the, the biggest focus we should be talking about. And what's very interesting to me is we have this polar opposite view in two different, uh, two different countries. We have Australia, which has been greatly locked down, that has been talking about zero COVID. But that's our goal, that we're going to have zero COVID. We don't want COVID at all in our in our country. And and recently, the prime minister came out during this Omicron time, came out and said, we need to start learning to live with this virus because we don't think this is going anywhere and we're, the vaccination isn't actually going to take us all the way away from getting this virus. So we need to learn to live with this virus instead of hiding from this virus. I'm paraphrasing, didn't say it just like that, but that's pretty much his, uh, his, what he was trying to get out there. And then what we have at the beginning of the Omicron variant in early December, I believe, we have our President Biden coming out and telling the populace that unvaccinated people are going to be living through a time of death and disparity. And, and that's really sad because we didn't know very much about Omicron. And we also didn't know that it was actually unvaccinated that we're going to get this disease. And actually, in the beginning of the disease, we're seeing that everyone was getting a vaccinated or unvaccinated. I mean, we can look at Denmark studies. It's about 83, 86 percent of people getting the Omicron are vaccinated. Now, a lot of that population is is vaccinated. So are we saying that you're more at risk for getting Omicron being vaccinated? Who knows? But what we are seeing is it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not you're going to get Omicron and we really need to take more of what the Australian view is doing now when they made a huge mistake and they locked down and they didn't and they caused all kinds of harm to their community. 
because they were approaching it wrong, thinking that we were able to get away from this virus completely. And this is a mutating virus, and there's no way that we're going to be able to get out of this. And Omicron is going to help us get great herd immunity and get stronger immunity. But really, to be honest, COVID-19 is going to be around us forever. We're going to have variants that are happening all the time, just like we have with the flu. And we need to learn that this is going to be a natural thing that we're going to have to live with. And we need to be really focusing on what can we do to improve our health, diet, exercise, uh, certain supplements, nutrients that we could get to really boost our immunity. That should be the big focus. And I, our public servants should be talking about that instead of just talking about vaccination because that's really limiting and not really going to be the best approach with dealing with this virus. So moving forward then with that, we, we know that some of the comorbid, comorbidities that you know make some people more susceptible to, to having to go to the hospital and possibly dying from this include obesity and uh, some of you know, issues similar to that. Um, but for most people, simple changes in just doing some things to in- improve their immune system could help. I imagine then with the obesity side, uh, working on and diabetes and things like that is actually doing things to help you resolve your underlying condition in addition to boosting your immune system. What are some suggestions that you can give to to us for, for those of us who are not obese, who don't have diabetes, who just want to boost our immune system so that we can better prepare if we catch it? Um, and then for those of us who do have some underlying issues like diabetes or obesity, uh, what we can do to start minimizing our risks. All of us should be exercising. So one, that, that's one of the big concerns I have seen with this whole pandemic is we have been isolating and not going out and doing things. And we need to really get out and exercise and increase our blood flow, our circulation, increase our lymphatics. When I say lymphatics, that's going to be moving the immune system all throughout your body whenever we do that. So we need to get moving and we need to get out and get fresh air. That's really going to help us a great deal. We need to get out in sunshine. So we've been isolating, staying home because we are fearful to engage with other people because we're scared that to get a certain virus, we're not getting good sunshine exposure. So that's really greatly increasing our risks too is that we are not getting good vitamin D exposure. Another thing is when we're self-isolating, not engaging with other people, we're not getting all these bugs that we're always exposed to. And that helps build our immune system, make a robust immune system when we're exposed to all these different bugs. If we're sitting around isolating, not getting exposed to bugs, uses hand sanitizer all the time, our immune systems are going to get weak. So let's say we actually go out and get engaged with, let's say, COVID or any other virus out there. We are going to have more potential harm because our immune systems aren't ready to really attack that. It's not constantly being vigilant. But really, at this time, uh, with Omicron variant, it's happening during the winter time. most of us are going to be deficient in vitamin D, and we're not going to get enough vitamin D going out in the sun. So we definitely need to take vitamin D. My suggestion is at least 5,000 IU to 10,000 IU per day. But that could be too much or too little for you. You need to get it tested. The research is showing that you have to get your vitamin D level in a certain range to help decrease the hospitals and death that can happen with, let's say, Omicron variant or with any other disease in general, we need to keep our vitamin D up. I like to see it at 60 or so, 50 to 70 range is really great. 80 is even good too. But the research, what we see is actually those people that had decreased hospitalizations of death, they had actually just a 32 or higher. So vast majority of our population is extremely deficient. And if you never had your vitamin D checked, you need to get it checked. 
and get it checked in a way that you take vitamin D and get it rechecked and see if you're in the appropriate range. The 5,000, 10,000 is just a basic marker. And I see people not get enough vitamin D with 10,000. I see people getting too much with 5,000. So it's just about getting the appropriate testing there. We also want to be taking vitamin C. The research with COVID that I see is really high dose IV vitamin C has shown the best effect. They were doing that in China and other, other centers, seeing good effect with doing IV vitamin C, reducing hospitalizations time. But I've been using vitamin C for viruses my entire career and seeing how great it is. So, but you need to take vitamin C appropriately. If you, let's say if you're doing just a preventative, I would take like 1,000 to 2,000, uh, I would take 1,000 milligrams twice a day of vitamin C. If this gives you some digestive upset, decrease from there. If you actually do get exposed to the Omicron variant, you should really up your doses a lot, like 1,000 milligrams every two hours or so is say you get diarrhea or the runs or something like that, you back off on the dose there. So we want to go into zinc. This is a very important one too, and I like to combine that with quercetin. When we combine zinc with quercetin, it helps quercetin acts as a zinc ionophore and helps get that uh, zinc much more readily inside our cells to really help stop that viral replication that happens. Zinc is really great on decreasing the growth of the of the virus, and also it's what our immune system needs to be able to fight off the virus. So it's a great uh, combination there. What's the uh, dose you recommend? So let's say we're just doing a preventative. I would say 30 to 50 milligrams is great. Let's say if you've been doing this for a really long time, you need to make sure you do get some copper with it because that will deplete you of copper. If you've been doing a preventative dose of 30, 50 milligrams or you're planning on doing that, you probably should get some copper periodically, like twice a day, take some copper. Or you could get a one of your supplements could be a zinc copper blend, and then you could take a zinc on top of that. So you make sure that you're getting a copper in your body so you don't become copper deficient. We need copper for our energy process, our brain processes, our vision, all kinds of things we need from getting an appropriate amount of copper. So we don't get deficient of copper when we're trying to prevent a, a certain virus. We've talked a lot about NAC. I think this is a very important one too. This helps increase the glutathione in our body. So it's going to decrease inflammation and swelling. So it's going to help decrease that cytokine storm that can potentially happen. Turmeric is a great one we want to add on to to help as a preventative. You could get 1,000 milligrams per day as a preventative with that. NAC, you could be taking 500 milligrams twice daily to be a preventative. Also, NAC is really good on healing lung tissue and also thinning out the mucus so we're able to get it out so we're not having the virus hang out in there. We're able to spit out this virus and get it out of our, out of our bodies. So that's a good quick rundown of kind of some of the things that we can take. Let's say if you really are at risk in a really high risk group, 65 and older, you have two comorbid conditions. Let's say you have diabetes or COPD, or you're, you're taking a medication that you're, that for autoimmune condition and like Humira or prednisone and things like that are just suppressing your immune system. You probably may want to be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe you want to go to a doctor that really knows what they're doing with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, monoclonal antibodies probably would be a good idea too. We're getting good research on that and showing great benefit with monoclonal antibodies. But majority of the population is not going to have to go that route, except if you are in a risk group in that, in, in that matter. What about vitamin A? I've been reading a bit about vitamin A's role in improving the immune system. How might that be, yeah. Would that be useful in, in a situation like this? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I use vitamin A a lot. Uh, I use vitamin A more of a specific treatment for a viral condition like Omicron, for example, than taking it as just a preventive. Now, getting a lower dose, like in a multivitamin, let's say you're getting 5,000 IU to 10,000 IU, that's good and healthy 
as a preventative dose. And usually you could get that from certain multis. Let's say you just want to take vitamin A as preventative. You want to just get 5,000, 10,000. Vitamin A can really concentrate itself in the liver and can be cytotoxic to the body. It is a fat-soluble vitamin, so you need to be careful on that one. Most of the vitamins that I've talked about, they're, it's hard to get toxic on, but you want to make sure that you don't take too much vitamin A. And I don't, I'm not going to specifically talk about the doses of vitamin A as an acute dose, and I would go to a doctor and really get it because I don't want people to take it and really cause harm to themselves at the dosing that I prescribe for my patients. It needs to be supervised by a physician that knows what they're doing. But vitamin A is very powerful and can be a great antiviral. Wonderful. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm really seeing and hearing with all of this is we, we might have forgotten an old, an old you know, rule to, to how to navigate the world. And that is that getting dirty and getting sick is not a bad thing, that it actually strengthens us, just like working out a muscle uh, yes, you have to damage the muscle in order for it to grow, but you'll grow stronger and you can lift more. Well, same thing that we get so afraid of getting sick and we live in this overly sterilized world where we're constantly just, you know, putting on antibacterial stuff and, oh, I don't want to get sick, but we're actually doing ourselves a disservice because we, we keep our bodies strong by encountering those. I, I remember when I was a kid, a lot of kids, they get sick all the time, right? They go to school, they're bringing home colds all the time. And what I've seen in my own life is I got colds all the time as a kid. And as I've gotten older, I get less and less colds. Why is that? They're all part of the, you know, the cold, you know, viral mm-hmm. strains. And they, yeah, they can, they can uh, you know, change and so forth so you can catch it again and again. But my immune system has gotten stronger and stronger so that I don't catch everyone. So a lot of times my kids will come home and they have colds and I just never get it. That's because I've allowed myself to be exposed. The same thing can happen with this. If, you know, if the inevitable happens, we're going to face it. Let's get our bodies nice and strong so that we can handle it instead of trying to prevent ourselves from getting it because that's, that's not going to, it's not going to work. It's too, it's too contagious for it to work anyway. And if you're not doing anything to improve your immune system, you're not going to be able to handle it as well. And it is going to be a miserable experience. So let's, let's actually not be afraid to get dirty and prepare ourselves for that. So for those people out there who do have some comorbidities, diabetes and obesity and things like that, obviously going in depth on what they can do to reduce that on this podcast would take us into an hour, hour and a half. But top level, what would be your advice to anybody who's listening to this who has some underlying conditions that make them really susceptible? What do you suggest that they do uh, in order to prevent risk from, from getting sick? So what I see a lot of people doing is, okay, I'm at risk, so I'm going to stay home. And that's going to be extremely difficult to actually increase your muscle mass and decrease your fat mass. We want to decrease how much fat we have on the body and increase the muscle mass we have. So we need to get out and be exercising to help decrease that. And we need to start eating well too. We need to start eating good fruits and vegetables decrease our refined carbohydrates. Let's say you have diabetes, you're going to be eating different than someone that doesn't have diabetes. So in diabetes, you need to be really strict on reducing the sugar that you take in, good sugar and bad sugar. So when I say good sugar, that's our fruits. You do need to limit your fruits when you have diabetes. And you need to reduce your whole grains, etc. All these types of things that could potentially be healthy for you, they're going to be really bad for a diabetic because their bodies are not very sensitive to insulin anymore. Insulin is what brings that sugar into the cell. 
they have insulin desensitization. Their cells don't take in that, that insulin very well, and they're not able to get that sugar in their cells very well. So you need to limit sugar greatly in your diet compared to someone that doesn't have that insulin issue. So you need to decrease uh, carbohydrates. You need to decrease fruits. You need to decrease refined sugars. You need to eat more good quality fats and proteins. Eat a lot more of less starchy vegetables. And if you really want to get a detailed treatment plan, we really need to set up an appointment and really talk about this. This is just some basics that I'm talking about here. But we need to not give into the fear and we need to get out. And that's going to help you actually ward off the disease more. You get out and exercise and decrease how much fat you have on your body. You're going to be much better off. We need to be focusing more on health during this pandemic and less about just sanitation. I, all I see is uh, hear about uh, from our public health administrators is you need to sanitize, 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 and we need to get vaccinated. That's all they talk about. Why aren't they talking about all the other things we need to do? Exercise, vitamin D, sunshine, getting out in nature, these type of things. These are very important things that we need to do. And I think that at-risk groups are even getting sicker because they aren't getting out and exercising, increasing their, their muscle mass, etc. Now, if you have COPD or something, you need to actually come to a doctor and get the specific treatment for that. I have a whole protocol on how I approach COPD, and I can really help decrease that inflammation that's in the lungs, increase the lung capacity, etc. So there's all kinds of comorbid conditions, but you really need to get these conditions treated and get them under control. That's really important thing is we need to be focusing on getting these conditions under control. So when you do get exposed to, let's say, to Omicron variant or whatever, that you're ready to take it on. Also, you need to be taking all these nutrients that we're talking about, and you need to treat the disease early. That's one of my concerns I have with our public health and everything that's going on in the media and our government is they're not talking about treating the disease early. The main focus is on, okay, let's just get vaccinated. And you need to, and if you get sick, you just wait to see if you're blue in the face and you go to the hospital. That's the worst time that we can do to treat it. And I think really a big reason why we have so many deaths around the country from this disease is we're not doing anything early. Whenever we have a deadly disease like this, we need to treat it early. And we've always done that in the history of time. But right now we're not doing that. And it's unfortunate. So doing these things that I talked about and treating it early or going to a doctor that knows how to treat it early effectively for you is uh, extremely important. Oh, there's some treatments I uh, forgot about that I think are really awesome and great. Let's say you go out and you're engaging in life and you got uh, exposed to someone or you were in like a really enclosed environment or with a lot of people on a public setting and you definitely were getting exposed to Omicron. Something that we have shown in the research, which is very cool, is you could do beta iodine right when you get home. You put a little bit in some uh, uh, sodium chloride water and uh, dilute it and then you snort it in the back of your throat and spit it out in each nostril. And that will kill the virusides in there. And then you could drink the rest of that and gargle it and kill all that virus that would have been exposed. Because Omicron is hanging out in our sinus passageways. It's going to be in there. So what we need to do is get something direct contact that will kill that. And beta iodine has been shown in the research by a, a paper that I read that is fantastic on taking care of this virus. Also, we could do potentially nebulized uh uh, hydrogen peroxide, you need to dilute that greatly. You need to do that with the appropriate doctor guidance, et cetera. Don't just start nebulizing hydrogen peroxide. You're going to really hurt yourself. That is something that you could do after you get exposed to is you could do appropriate amount of nebulized uh, hydrogen peroxide, which is a very dilute amount. You do 3% hydrogen peroxide and you do light that, dilute that down to 0.1% hydrogen peroxide. So it's like one milliliter hydrogen peroxide to 30 milliliters of yeah. sterile sodium chloride. 
you want to make sure it's definitely sterile sodium chloride, not just water because the osmolarity effect will damage your lungs. With these areas, you need to really go into a doctor and get good uh, ideas of how to treat that. Okay, a couple of things. With the beta iodine, is that something they can just like pick up some Lugols? Yeah, that? you could do Lugols or you could get beta iodine that you could just get at a health food store. Or yeah, you could just uh, put a couple drops in some uh, some water, like a half cup of water and uh, uh, sodium chloride. I, I would put in like some salt water and you snort that up your nose and take it out. That doesn't have to be sterile when you do it that way because it's not going into your own. You're just putting it right in the sinuses. So it's a when very I've easy done, thing. You don't have to have a nebulizer or anything to do it. When I've done a neti pot in the past, just for you know yeah. other types of colds, I've used distilled water uh, just because I, I read that it was more sterile. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I also found like if I boiled water to sterilize it, it's better. Then sure. it was really hot, and then I had to wait for it to cool down. And it's like now there's bacteria back in it because I just right. sat, let it sit there for 30 minutes. So mm -hmm. that's good to know that the salt itself is, is sterilizing. Now, for those people who have heard this podcast, they have some comorbidities or they want to maybe get some antigen testing or they want to get some specifics on their vitamin D levels and, you know, just get some more customized support in improving their immune system and, and reducing their risk for, you know, this variant. How can they get a hold of you? I love it. So yeah, if you're interested in any type of treatment or you're interested in treatment for various viruses, you could give us a visit our website, find our phone number and give one of my receptionists a call and they can set up an appointment with me or one of my other fantastic doctors and we can get started. You know, and what I love about working with you is that you have virtual options and you're able to work with pharmacies in many different locations so that people don't have to feel like, oh, I have to live there in order for them to see you. Um, so I just love that you're able to help so many people. Thank you so much, Dr. Jake, for your expertise today and helping us really see how we can navigate this in a way that really minimizes fear. So thank you again so much. And everyone else, uh, let us know what you think in the comments below. Share us your thoughts. What you, Have you done anything that uh, Dr. Jake has, has talked about? Have you taken any antigen testing? What's been your experience with this? We'd love to hear from you. And everyone else, we'll see you guys next week. Hey, Dr. Jake, thank you for your time today. And if you enjoyed the show, then do us a favor and leave a review. It helps more people to find the show, which could save their life. And remember, this is a podcast and should not replace personalized attention from a medical professional like Dr. Jake. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, cancer of any stage, or a life-changing illness, visit our website today and schedule a virtual appointment with one of our doctors who can lead you to a treatment plan in your area. That's IntegrativeMedica.com. IntegrativeMedica.com. Thank you for listening to the Integrative Medica podcast with Dr. Jake. To hear past episodes and get alerts for the future, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and be sure to follow us on YouTube as well. Just search for Integrative Medica with Dr. Jake.